0: Kia ora Aotearoa, and welcome to Generally Famous Stuff Podcast. I'm Simon Bridges and every week I talk to a generally famous but always interesting guest about life, love and what makes them tick. Today's guest, New Zealand comedian, radio and TV host, famous guy indeed, Di Henwood. Oh,
1: lovely to see you Simon. Great to see you, um, but it's actually, it's David. Yeah, Dovet, David. <laughs> David, David. That's what actually. you were born with. Yeah um my father that? my father named me he was um he was from Swansea he moved over here and Daveth uh, is the Welsh version of David but um the f is pronounced like a v and the double d's are pronounced as a t So give it to me one more time Daveth so I did go with it, but I had an economics teacher who gave up on pronunciation and just called me D-A- D-A-F-Y-D-D. He just <laughs> gave up on the pronunciation and got halfway through it and said the letters. Well, I've
0: got a son called Emlyn. So, you Emlyn, know, that's him. Yeah, it. Emlyn, which is a, uh, another, sort of, a. I can sort of say it's a Welsh family name, but because my wife's half Welsh, so yeah. there you go. Your, um, the
1: abbreviation of Daveth is Die or Dewey, as, like Huey, Dewey and Louie. Yes. But I went with Die. What's good? It's more kind of showbiz, isn't it? And it's also great for showbiz because all my shows are um, usually, but like adapt or die, <laughs> dynamic scenarios. I'm doing one down the die cast. One down in Wellington at the end of the year called Die Hard, and we're redoing the the poster, <laughs> Bruce Willis poster, and me playing Bruce Willis. You have to change your haircut a little bit for that. I was surprising. Yeah, I'd actually not ha- the body though, right? I no. mean, uh, you're oh, a ripple. Yeah, I'm ripped. He he has the same sort of haircut. Just he's got a bit more of a widow's peak. So, uh, yes. No. Um.
0: Have you been to Wales? Have you sort of Have you did toured comedy there or anything like that?
1: I've never done comedy in Wales. I've done uh, London and Edinburgh. Um. But when I was from when I was young, we used to go back because my father had three brothers. Right. And um, who have sadly passed away, um, and we go back there. I visit my family. Um, from then, my father was born in a pub, brought up in a pub. His whole family were born in pubs. His my great grandfather played rugby for Wales. I saw so that. That was amazing. We were back in eighteen ninety nine to nineteen. And he wasn't
0: just. He didn't just play for like a week or something. He was a great.
1: Yeah, he was. He was. Um, He's they, got his own Wikipedia page. He was one of the dancing dicks they called him. He was, which Richard kind of Jones. wouldn't go quite as well today, no. or maybe <laughs> better. <laughs> and um, they claim he invented the dummy pass, although I've only ever heard that from relatives, so I don't know how broad it, how how real it is. But no, I went. I used to go back, and I. Loved Wales. I, I, oh, I love Wales. That's why just, I'm spending a bit of time. On I it. love the 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 culture of it. And strangely, actually, that's when my my dad met Paul Holmes in Sydney and S- uh, Swansea, sorry, in Wales, because mm. Paul was a radio host over there. Then when he came over here, he right? sort of became a family friend, um, and and so forth. And that was Dad's connection with the sort of New Zealand. Media thing, and then Dad became a sort of famous actor over here. Yes, after he introduced the breathalyzer to New Zealand, I saw that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's like a science dude slash, you know. Um, but that whole acting um, theatre thing is in your blood.
1: He was in the in the DSIR, the Department of Scientific and Industrial Research, brought the breathalyzer <laughs> to New Zealand, then then went. Stuff it, I'm gonna become but uh, uh, did he? Was he? Was his
0: views? Um, I didn't intend us to go down any of this trap, but were his views? Um, I just saw there, like, I have been stalking you in his Wikipedia page. It's like everyone in your freaking family's got a yeah. even your great grandfather, yeah. Welsh, fly half great. Um, but your father, did he have sort of? I saw some of papers or a book he wrote on drugs, sort of it, it sounded to me like he was. Um, was he sort of pro of psilocybin
1: kind of legalisation so, or something? No, so he he never t- tried drugs in his whole life, yet he wrote a book on drugs called A Turned On World, and it was basically about um, the, the uh, just what drugs do to people and its harm on society and so forth. Yes. And I think his his main view was pretty much, you need to, if you can legalise most drugs, then you can deal with them on a social Harms, level because yeah. it takes the stigma yep. out of it and so forth. Because yep. that was very much at a time when there was the war on drugs coming from America yes. and so forth. So he visited, there were opium dens in Wellington. He went and took photos of these right? people in opium dens on Cuba Street. And So
0: I sort of thought... It, um well, yeah, when I, was, I was hoping you'd sort of admit that he t- had masho- magic mushrooms down the back or something. But That would be problematic because yeah. your mum was
1: a judge <laughs> yeah, and well, a really high-profile judge. I and, you think know. she, um, he very much respected that. I always respected that as yeah. a um, as a kid. Your mum was the second <laughs> um, second female judge in yeah, amazing. New Zealand. As, as a young woman in, in what is a very old sort of boys club. But then she also worked in the theatre as well. Yes. So I've had a very... Um, very sort of illustrious uh, family tree, and I'm I'm super proud of both. Yeah, no, I mean.
0: he should be. Um, and I want to ask you about that, but I just there was something we were just talking about off air that I do want to get out. You, you're like the ultimate crossover actor because I wondered this myself looking at you. I'm not sure whether you're Maori, Asian, or what you are. <laughs> I mean, what but there's none of that going on.
1: So when I travel, you get that though, right? Yeah, when I travel, I can pass for. Sort of South American countries, most of Europe, maybe (laughs) a little in Asia, and um a lot of people um have thought that I that I have Maori blood. Um, I love Maori culture, and we've always been um quite um and ingrained doing a lot of work with Maori. But no, I'm um sort of as Welsh, almost as Pakeha as they come.
0: Yeah, um. Your mum, as we've said, prominent judge, your dad, prominent actor and, and you know, movies and all these sorts of things. Um, I suppose without psychoanalyzing you massively, um, what, what sort of effects, and, and you're an only child. Yeah. So what's that mean for you? Does that mean you're a spoiled little brat who thought I can do anything? I'm going to be a comedian and my name will be in lights everywhere, <laughs> psychopath. I mean, no. Or, or what, what do you What do you say about all um,
1: that? So, although I was an only child, my mum and her best friend had kids at the same time and they lived just up the road, So, and he was an only child as well, so we sort of got raised as brothers, because they were both um, professional uh, women, so we sort of shared childcare, went to school together, grew up together, and um, I knew nothing different about, I grew up in a theatre though, just running around with all the other kids in the theatre, and um being I had busy parents, I sort of um went everywhere with them. We traveled everywhere. I mean, they spoiled me here and there, but both I think the biggest thing my father taught me was that going into the arts, become wanting to be an actor or a comedian, it's a job. Yep. You have to work. And he um he taught me an amazing work ethic and, and mum's just had a phenomenal work great. ethic as well so um i think they they modeled to me that if you want to get anywhere no matter what your field is you've really got to dig in and do the hard yards and a funny sort of way um with the arts in a in a
0: itsy bitsy little country like new zealand you have got to work harder right to make a crust and to you, be you constantly you can, have projects on the go and
1: new zealand doesn't have niches, you know, like and if you're in somewhere like America, totally. you can just dial in on being a type of stand-up comedian. Totally. Say you just do the college circuit and you can just do that. Yes. And you can make a few hundred thousand a year just yes. doing that. But in New Zealand you've got to I'd do a bit of voiceover, I'd do some acting, I'd do stand up comedy, do some You were the radio. gadget guy man. Yeah, I was The gadget <laughs> guy on The breakfast show and <laughs> back it in till the you've day. Tried it. Um so no I um and I like that. Because I I think doing yes. bits and bobs it sort of keeps it keeps it more fresh, interesting yeah, yeah and fresh and okay when was it like um, no I'm going to be a comedian well I first knew I wanted to work in comedy when I was five actually I made someone laugh and um, I can't remember what I said but the feeling I got from making someone laugh was just amazing you know when you do. Um, and when you're leaving primary school or whatever, people often write, what, what are they going to be? And, and 8 <laughs> out of 10 people wrote Comedian for Amazing. me. And then I, um, I, I saw a Robin Williams VHS of him doing stand-up comedy when I was about 13, and I was like, oh, this is stand-up comedy. I so want to do that. And um, it was that and Eddie Murphy's Raw and Delirious, which is sort of seminal classic classic comedy. Um, stand up albums. I just was like, "That's what I want to do." And then um, I did a bit of acting, but I was always the funny guy. So I was yeah. like, "No, I'll get into comedy."
0: You, didn't, you were never going to be an ICT engineer or some other. I no, mean, mum
1: no, it, was quite. And in, in seriousness, it was quite a. No, I'm going to. This is what I'm going to be. No, it was. I want to be in in comedy. Mum sort of, uh, I think, wanted me to be a lawyer at at, at some stage. Um, which lawyers in stand up comics are? Pretty similar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I – no, I just went down that. But I, I, my, the, the sort of rule from my folks was you you can do whatever you want, but you've, yeah. got, but you've got to get a degree. Yeah. Um, so I did a degree in um, Eastern religion in no, theatre and film. Yeah, I loved it. And um, that was mainly – my sort of Eastern religion major was mainly in how – um, religions use psychedelics to control. There you go. And so, forth. so it was a very. <laughs> I was, there was
0: something there in that it magic very, mushroom
1: talk. Yeah, it was very interesting because it was the idea of how you know shamans would give people like yeah. um, psychedelics, then put a mask on and yeah. freak them out, and that's how they gained control. And yes, sort of, um, so no, it was very interesting doing that. And I've always been interested in random stuff, which is why what. Um, I suppose uh, works for comedy because I know yes a little bit about everything, but nothing. And go down that path and yeah. take people on a
0: journey. I um I've been very judgmental about uh, uh, various substances over time, but you know, I mean, the longer I live, there's there's um, you know, science is showing us that some of these things have a real benefit, you know, in terms of the psychoactives and all of that. So it's um. It's well, it's going to be interesting to see how it all goes. It's
1: you say, as, especially as um, someone who's got advanced cancer. Yes. Um, and New Zealand's now moving into um, MDMA trials for yes. people with advanced cancer use of psilocybin because there is a lot of international research showing how it's helping people with PTSD, with um, coming to grips with very serious diagnosis. And it's not just... Taking it by yourself it's when it's combined with proper therapy and so forth so now it's very interesting seeing seeing what what happens but then of course with things it's always when you attach a sort of stigma of yes of 40 years of yes correct or incorrect legislation you then people have images of what it is and things have it that's
0: right and they build up a history and a culture around them and all of that that's right I mean um I mean, if we keep trotting through your sort of um, story to date, uh, late 90s to mid 2000s, you win a shed loads of local comedy awards um, and, you, and you're touring here and offshore. Um, how would you. I, I genuinely, like, I don't. I don't. I've never. I've seen quite a few Kiwi. I don't think I've. At least I've seen you at a seven days one. I don't think I've ever seen you live. Um, I don't want to say you never
1: made an impression on me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, what was your shtick? What was your kind of what would you say? Well, of- I,
1: I was very different to a lot of the. Um, Comedians at the time when I came in, there was um, Mike King yep. was at the at the top of his stand up game. He's now gone on to do amazing things in other fit in mental health fields. Um, there was Terada, Radar, Sugar and Spice, Brendan Lovegrove, and um, I came in. And I was just very different. I was um, dressed up as a wrestler. I'd do a rural bank teller character. Or I'd sort of do bits and bobs. And so I was very different. And um, it was cool because then on lineups, we we're in a, this, bear in mind, was in a time when New Zealand comedy, a lot of New Zealanders thought, we've already had Billy T. We've already had John Clark. We don't need any more comedy. New Zealanders no. aren't funny. We we're in quite a cultural cringe moment. And I, um, well, I was gigging around. I did one of my second or third gigs was at the Levin Cosmopolitan Club, which isn't as cosmopolitan <laughs> as you'd imagine. Uh, but, Oxymoron yeah. right
0: there. Sorry, Levin. Yeah. Sorry to the two generally famous listeners in Levin. We love you. but and, yeah.
1: um, No, I mean, it was great, though, because it was actually a really good gig, but... We were on the stage, and the mics were connected to the the kitchen. So halfway through my seat, you'd hear number 53, steak and (laughs) chips, 53, (laughs) steak and chips, because the kitchen would override the mics. So it was amazing coming through in that time. Get your priorities right. Yeah, you really really had to work. And then nowadays, it's amazing seeing the rise of um, comedy. I saw it. Uh, as I sort of moved into doing TV, and then we had so many comedians, so many comedy writers, and then now when you sort of quickly fast forward to the present day, and a show like Taskmaster, I'm on with these four other people who work in comedy and the arts, and you look at the previous seasons of Taskmaster, there's just like heavyweights of New Zealand comedy now. You've got people... um, you know, like Guy Ka- Williams has um, sort of asserted himself when you look at comedians overseas. You've got, like, Rose Matafeo, who's just Gone enormous. Big. Of course... The Flight of the Concords is the yep. sort of go-to but since then there's there's such an amazing stable of successful New Zealand comedians.
0: I wonder though if you know what you're saying it's a bit like this in politics actually like I'm still old school I reckon you've got to do some town halls quite a few of them to get your kind of your shtick up and know what you're about and you know answer the hard questions and the random questions and deal with that drunk guy down the front I mean that's more in, yeah. more in comedy probably than, hopefully, than in politics. But have we lost a bit of that? Because I wonder if these new, the new breed, I'm not trying to make you sound like too much of an old, grumpy old man, but they, they um some of them would be sort of, maybe I'm wrong, but straight to TV?
1: Look, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, because there wasn't the path to TV, you had to do, I'd do any gig that came up. And I like that analogy to politics. Where I think it's quite similar is, You've got to go out and talk to people. Some people might find you funny. Some people might not be on your side. But you've got to try and convince the people that aren't on your side. And, you know, it's a lot like, I mean, a lot of um, politicians. And whether you like their policies or not, a good politician, you'll generally like them. Yes. If you just... Stand and have a drink with them. You generally like them because they're a person that can communicate well. They're passionate about their views, whether you believe them or not. Um, And so it's very similar in that way. You've got to come out and people are like, oh, I'm not into this sort of comedy. But then you've got to try and win them and find some common ground. Totally. And I've always loved and I always have done touring around New Zealand. Yeah, it's great. A couple of weeks ago I was doing like – a small boating club in Taupo, then I was over at Owakuni and um, Whanganui. And I, I love going out because people really appreciate it when you come and put a show on. Yes, yes,
0: no, absolutely. It's very real. Um, who, who, are, who, I was going to say were, you can d- define it as are, who, who were the com- comedians you looked up to back then? You sort of say, oh, man, and you've kind of already, ro- ro- you know, William robbie williams uh Ro- robin williams i, I like robbie say. williams as well he's <laughs> um, quite funny yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> um uh eddie murphy and so on but w- were the local ones or
1: yeah i mean um brendan lovegrove was someone i saw first time and also there were some touring comedians at the at the time ed Byrne was an amazing comedian he's an irish guy he's uh he's sort of become a, become a friend over the years. I was lucky enough to go, um, be selected to go and perform in Montreal at the just for laughs festival. And my MC was Joan Rivers, who was like a Mm. icon. And, um, a guy who I became fascinated with is, um, JB smooth, who was on all my lineups. He is in, um, curb your enthusiasm for the, the fans there. he plays Leon black. Uh, and, so many comedians I met through, the the awesome thing about being in New Zealand was we were known as the best festival in the world because uh, there, there was no competition. In these big other big festivals, you're fighting to get a TV show. They were just coming to New Zealand to have fun and enjoy the live shows. So we were known as a non-competitive fun festival. We had great parties. So there were um, Phil Nickel, Daniel Kitson, these sort of... Canadians and Brits who came over here. We became very close and tight-knit. And I'm always a fan of, I love being on a bill where I feel everyone else is better than me because it makes me step. Mm. It makes me step up. Mm.
0: And and you exceed expectations, hopefully, as opposed to the other way. If you're the big name, you're the one there. Yeah.
1: Well, but he wasn't very funny. Yeah, exactly. No, like, but then I was like, "Who's this young guy? He's great. Who's yeah, this? Yeah. Guy? So You want to be that. So, one. so I love I love that, and um, now it's just amazing doing bills around New Zealand with um, so many comics, new and um, new and older, like. Um, one of the contestants and taskmaster who I hadn't seen a lot of uh, performance-wise, Bubba, she is coming through as just this amazing comedian who um, come from sort of heart full noise, um, South Auckland background, organising gigs in her backyard that really? are um, where the organisers are sort of um, from. Uh, Organisations such as Black Power, yes. and, and yes. so like, so very, you hope
0: that they laugh at the joke, yeah. right? <laughs> so,
1: so she's coming from this just comedy background, so opposite to mine. But it's amazing seeing oh, that well, that we all come. Wellington together. theatre and judicial yeah. types. I mean,
0: that's it's
1: not that different, very is similar. it? Um, Gangs of a different sort, uh, and and seeing them coming through, and. The best thing about comedy, we're all from so different backgrounds, but when we're sitting in a green room shooting the breeze, we just crack each other up. Because It's all about the laughter, and humans love laughter. Laughter is what brings totally. humans together. And what I like is you can share a lot la- regardless of... Your background, your political beliefs, your religious beliefs—you can always share a laugh about totally. something. Totally, genuinely and funny should look, be genuinely funny. Yeah, even look. Um, when I studied Eastern religion and broader religion, if when you see a good pastor, they're often quite funny. Totally, as well because humor is where. Humour is where you find common ground with people. I, and I worry we're losing fun.
0: that. I mean, it's the po- politics, religion, entertainment. You know, it's like um, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down, right? You want and, – and but I sort of worry some of these things are becoming a bit humorless. Like, I mean, Well,
1: I, completely. You know, I was actually watching – Can't take a joke. <laughs> I was watching back at um, old – some of – I don't know why it cropped up – some of old – of David Longey's old speeches. Yeah, very funny. And – just some of the banter that was happening in the house, totally. and that I was like, Well, there was a lot of comedy, and totally. also uh, the other side of the house really totally. appreciating it. And oh, the interactive nature,
0: nature is a little bit like a comedy, but but some of that is uh, now I sound like a grumpy old man, but some of that's being lost. Hey, I want to. Uh, w- 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 I could talk for two hours on this and I would love hearing you about it. A couple of things I was just interested in. On this comedy thing, from where you were to sort of today, how much has the scene in terms of those comedy bars and festivals and so on changed? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm buying into a cartoon of it all, but it's like my sense of it back when you were doing it and Mike King and Lovegrove and so on, it was booze and hard living and, you know, uh, a bit grimy. Is that fair and has it changed or...?
1: Yeah, the, uh, it's it's so hard to tell when you when I'm looking at it from a perspective of someone who now has two kids and a mortgage, and it's not <laughs> just about getting yes. to the next gig and yes. and that sort of thing. But it was, um, I think that the difference was without the sort of internet. We had the internet, but not as it is with YouTube and that nowadays. People can go, oh, comedy, and in a couple of buttons, you can watch the best five minutes of every stand-up from around the world. But then it was sort of very much a compressed scene. You'd go down to the comedy club to connect with other comedians. When the international festival would happen, that was the only time you'd be exposed to international comedians. So it was more, I suppose, it felt like a smaller scene, and things just naturally evolve. I, I feel the scene's still very similar. Comedy attracts the same sort of people. They're sort of a little bit nerdy, no matter what your background is. Um, they're, they often think differently. Um, I always maintain comedians are very intelligent um, people because you usually have to find a different angle on something. Yes. So, um, no, I think, Comedy always changes and never changes at the same time.
0: Is there a is there a standard sort of um, recipe for a good gag?
1: Surprise is always right. the best thing because laughter is a is a surprise. Yes, because you can't yes. control it. And actually, this was this was something where I always had an issue that I thought that I wasn't doing anything meaningful. I was just a comedian, and then I did a gig. And I was very, I was pretty young at the time. I was in my twenties. And after the gig, this woman came up and she said, "Hey, my um, partner passed away last week. She was young." And she said, "This night made me forget about it mm. because laughter." You're just suddenly laughing. You're in another world. And I was like, "Oh wow, laughter actually
0: can help people." Mm, very meaningful, as you say. I mean, it's probably you don't you probably don't think about it enough. It's probably one of those. Handful of basic things we need in our lives, isn't it? It's um, look, you've um, you've um, then moved on a radio and then TV, um, and you know I, I think of you as captain of Team Two. That's an insult, by the way, calling it Team Two. <laughs> I mean, but um, with its its one hundred and fifty plus episodes, um, was it looking back on that? Was that was that easy or hard to make the seven days? I suppose what I'm interested in you should rock in and apply that sort of stand-up sort of sense of it, um, or was there a bit of preparation involved?
1: There was, I I suppose I'm someone who was across the news, because just the nature of being a comedian, you're always looking for what was the hot button topic at the moment. And the best thing about New Zealand is our hot button topics are often quite <laughs> low on the international cat up a tree variety. Yeah, or yeah. like there's marmageddon because we've run out of marmite, and you know there's always, which yeah. is also yeah. the beauty of yes why I love New yes. Zealand. So. There was, a, there was a bit of preparation, like, you know, I'd see stories and go, oh, i better have something in the back pocket about that. But then also I the, my nature of how I work, I work best in the moment yes. and just trying to um, sort of think up things as, yes. they, as they go along. So that was a bit of a growing up point for me because I went from sort of a bu- bu- boozy music TV background to that. And um, I just made uh, – I, I knew all the comics on that show and they've sort of become best – Best friends over over that time, and we're actually we're going on tour with that still. Fantastic. It's just sort of ticking along as well, and um, it's been just an amazing platform going from being a stand-up comic to being on panel shows, then to to hosting shows, and then this Taskmaster show has been something that was completely different to anything I've ever done because it was more me as a contestant type thing. So it was moving away from the traditional comedy and not not trying to push comedy. When you're doing a show like Taskmaster, you're just trying to Do the task. Do the task but be entertaining. Yes. As well. And my problem is I'm, I've am i never been too competitive, so I'm more about no, I'm I always want to be entertaining. And like I, I've always played competitive sports. I've played cricket for 35 years. And um, I still enjoy winning. But, yeah, I'm sort of I'm more about the enjoyment of doing the thing. Well, you
0: know, at the end of the day, all you get is a, a, a head of, um, uh, you know. A, 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 a bronze head of Jeremy Wells yeah, of Jeremy. I mean, that's
1: Jerry. That's and I've not got b- plenty of that. <laughs>
0: If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more you also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. You've said it yourself. I mean, look, you, you, you've you morphed really, haven't you? I mean, you've still got obviously a serious comedian. Is that an oxymoron as well? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it's been the project, Dancing with the Stars, Lego Masters, Taskmaster. Let's just see, deal with Lego uh, Lego Master for a second because I love it. It's a lot of fun. Um. What amazes me is the talent that comes on these shows. You've got, you know, Jim and Jenny or something from the Manawatu who, you know, obviously spend 15 hours a week doing Lego practice or something. These guys are amazing.
1: Oh, so, of course, my worry, which is a very Kiwi worry, was I was like, right, I love I loved Lego Masters. I loved my son and I would watch the um, Aussie one. Yes. And then I was like, oh, I can't wait to do this show. Then I was like, are New Zealand going to have any good totally. Lego builders? That's what I thought. And so then when I had a meeting and they were like, okay, here's the lineup. These guys are amazing. And they showed me their audition videos and yes. someone had made a working guitar out of Lego. Yes. And I was like, oh no, these people are
0: good. The only thing, I mean, I said this to my wife and she said, yeah, it's not much else to do in New Zealand, is
1: there? (laughs) (laughs) Probably got Uh, a little bit of a point there. But uh, no, that was an eye-opener because I'd never done something where I was sort of witnessing people in their natural habitat where they just purely... So excited about Lego! Yes, so it was just like they oh, were like hey. kid in a candy store for twelve hours, oh, just no, building just, and building.
0: Well, but that's my point. So, so that's so it's quite intense. They're there for twelve hours going at it. I presume they do. They get a half hour lunch yeah, break. Yeah. No, so some or of the something? some
1: of the tasks were some of the um the challenges and that were twenty four hours long. Yeah. So they would get. They would get, like, driven back by their minder to the Airbnb and locked away for a sleep, then put back in the car and driven back. But they had their little brakes. But it was hard to get them to stop, and we had to force them to have brakes. Yes,
0: but honestly, it must be. me. But you're, you're the opposite. You've sort of got hours of tedium. What are you doing? Are you on your smartphone checking out so the we, news or
1: we something? So we were sitting in a room with 14 screens watching people build Lego. And it's quite soporific, like just hearing them <laughs> clicking of bricks. And, have a know. little nap in yeah, the middle. Yeah, I would have a little nap. But then we would – it was amazing. Robin, um, say, the, the, the brickmaster who was over, we just became thick as thieves. And um, it was all around the time I can remember when we were filming it was the Will Smith Oscar slap. <laughs> right. So we're out on the floor and the cameraman's filming he's watching the Oscars on his phone. <laughs> and then you just see his face go – <laughs> the, then the whispers go round and everyone's watching the Will Smith Oscar slap. So it was, we sort of just became a massive, massive family. Yes. These shows, um, and Taskmaster's the same actually, we are in there and you're filming intensely because I'd go, I'd arrive at Taskmaster and you'd film all day just task after task. Um, you become. So close with the yes. the camera people, the director, the, all that. So I love that feeling. I always loved it. It feels like a school camp. Yes. I've always loved that. That's why I love doing projects where you go in and you're working intensely with people because you develop a bond over a few weeks that you, you don't get if you're just doing a few hours here and there. Yes, no, that's exactly right.
0: Remember that with the old school show? Right oh. By the end
1: of it, you're all loved up and oh, you yeah. know,
0: everyone's got a new girlfriend or boyfriend exactly. or something. We're gonna know um, each other forever. Which is not quite as good if you're married, but I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a um Taskmaster. So it's out now. I was relatively uninitiated to this, I've gotta be honest. Um, but you know, I, I get the premise, it's a good one. You get five comedians um in a different location, you make them perform ridiculous tasks. I hadn't realized i was saying you off your I mean, it's a proper phenomenon internationally, yeah. globally.
1: It is. So I knew um, I'd known people who have been on previous seasons and they were, hey, this is quite big. Like <laughs> people overseas find ways of seeing the New Zealand one and they love the, the New Zealand one. And this one, I, um, this one will be going out in Australia as well. And um, it is huge. Well, I tell you what um, people may have seen um, if you just watched the sort of the first couple of episodes. um Bubba got us tattooed on her arm. A full arm tattoo of all our faces. I've never been tattooed on someone's face before. And when she first showed me, I felt a bit bad because I sort of brushed it off like no one get this <laughs> that's a fake tattoo. Whatever, no one gets. And then it was only over the episode I kept looking over at her and I was, Holy muck, mo- that's a natural <laughs> Do you look good? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I I I look a bit like the Joker from Batman, actually. So that's not a bad thing. That's commitment. It's commitment. I hope she wins. Uh, Bubba is... She is full commitment to everything she does. And our meeting... Honestly, on it with Mel Bracewell, Ray O'Leary, Karen O'Leary, they're not related, Bubba and myself, we became such good buddies. Yeah. And it was... Um, for me... As someone who is um, sort of doing cancer treatment, and mm. I, I don't quite know what, when that comes to an end, and that it really solidifies to me enjoyment. Mm. And when I'm doing a project like that, I honestly just love it and I cherish those moments.
0: But do you think that's, is that, and, and it's the elephant in the room, you know, your cancer. Yeah. And, and I'll, I'll maybe talk about that a little bit in, in, in due course, but. um. Is you've continued to work, and in my sense, it's quite hard. You know, you've got a lot of. You've told me you've, you've still, you've been down to Arcooney, and you know, very, and you've you've got Taskmasters and so on. Is it a? Is it an amazing sort of? Is it like going to comedy? Is it a distraction from you know what you've got going on, or is it a different thing that gives you an enjoyment from it?
1: It is my 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 decision was that I decided I made a decision I wasn't going to suffer like things hurt and procedures hurt. No, I'm doing chemotherapy every second week. I I do another round next week and then I've got some time off. But so I chose not to suffer and I went, I love working. I love being with my family. I love traveling. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get out and do it. Mm. And it's hard for the first couple of days when I'm coming out of a chemo round, but it is, it's my... Zen point, if if you know what I mean. When I'm on stage, when I'm performing, when I'm filming, I don't think about anything. Um, I was was doing uh, a huge round of chemo and radiation at the end of last year, and that's when I just sort of got word at the end of the year that we're going to do Taskmaster, um, and I was so excited, and it was such a huge thing to look forward to and then just rip into that. And um, that's the thing is I'm living... With cancer. That's my whole way of Mm. framing it. I'm living with it. So I'm going to live. I'm going to get out there. It's so great because I don't let the small things bother me. It's an immediate perspective shift. So... And I guess there's a
0: whole lot of more small things these days
1: yeah. than there used to be. No, there's – you know, because you can – You know what I
0: mean? I mean, it's all small in in, in a way, other than a few oh, really important things.
1: completely. You can go yeah. online and watch people argue about anything from anywhere. <laughs> and it just – you know, it's it's like, for instance, at the beginning of the year, I'm, I'm sitting in chemo and I'm reading a whole lot of replies because I stupidly said something like I thought bilingual road signs were a good idea. Um <laughs> And then I would that'd I, go well on social which media, which I thought is quite an innocuous thing because I'm from Wales. They were the first country to do yes. this back in the sixties. And then I was like, people are coming at me with all this, and then I was like, wow, who cares, man? Yeah, like who cares?
0: It puts it in perspective. It's
1: just like it's just a road sign that's written yeah. in two languages, like so. To me, I'm like, oh, how I don't understand how you could get wound up about yes. things like that anymore. And then I just actually that was for me. I went, no, nah, Twitter's not for me. No, I'm no. actually. I decided that about a you, month after politics. Well, I bet. <laughs> why am I putting my? Why am I putting that energy into totally. that? And then I sort of just faded out from that. And um, now it's it has. But then the flip side of that is. I have such amazing faith in humanity and yeah. in humans, and I believe this is the best time in history to be alive. Where yes. it, there's actually a lot, so many goods going on in yes. the world, even though it's easy to focus totally. on the bads. So I love humanity, and since I've been public with my cancer diagnosis, the outpouring from people has been amazing. Hmm. The love I meet from people and the the interactions I have with people from all ends of the spectrum, you know, where it's like, because I've always been a firm believer that what's depressed me a bit about the way things have gone internationally and... and You think about this quite a lot because I've seen a number of comments you've made. Yeah, is, is for instance, when I grew up, my parents had their political beliefs They had best friends who were on the complete other side of the fence. And they'd have phenomenal arguments over a dinner party. Yeah. And then massive hugs and laughs, you know? Because people are allowed to believe different things. Yes. That's the beauty. That's why we live in a democracy, you know? So it's like. I love meeting people with different views to me because they might explain something and I'll go, oh, no, that was my bias, actually. You, That's a good point yeah. so there. That's, that's Whereas now
0: we live in different suburbs and we don't talk. Yeah, And, and that's, as a generalisation
1: internationally, even a little bit, that's crept in in New Zealand, I think. And that saddens me a bit that we can't, yeah. and that's, I suppose, why I've always loved New Zealand is we have always had this sort of socio-capitalistic center right center left thing yeah. going on where people are pretty except the major parties also can have a foot in both camps and yes. that's what I've loved that we yes. and I think that thing of sort of swinging right to left to right to left every few years balances the yes. balances every everyone out and I, d- I just hate this um Sort of tribalism where people go, okay. The, the fancy word we used to say, polarization. Yeah, polarization where I'm in this camp. We think this is bad, so we can't read any new information in case it changes us. We're mm. in this camp, you know? And being able to have a laugh at yourself, mm. have a laugh with other people, debate ideas, that's so, so important. I always want to, my kids to challenge a belief I have and then belief. we can talk about it and yes and look at both sides and I like that I love critical thinking
0: yeah I was with a very uh, significant politician actually recently internationally and um says me I'm not going to name yeah. them um <laughs> make it even more mysterious yeah. um but uh, you know they, they they were saying you know one of the things that happened in Europe um that really sad and sim is that, that everything you've just said right and it's their perception being in New Zealand is you know don't lose you know that kind of as you say that um, closeness really that the spectrum hasn't got too broad and scary and angry and um, you know long may that continue. I I had more questions on Taskmaster we might come back to them um, but I can see you know there's 90 things to talk about and we run out of time. I, I mean, One thing that's interesting to me about you know your cancer and I you found out in 2020. You didn't go public until January 2023. What was your thinking? Look, as a relatively young guy, right, I'm about the same, not too far distance from me, um, about not saying something. When you did share it, how did you, how did you feel about that?
1: So, it took a lot of processing. As someone who was in the early 40s, um, being diagnosed, I. I didn't want to go public when I was still in the, like, bawling, crying, woe is me phase of it. I always knew I'd go public, but I wanted to get to a point where I had crystallized some ideas and some beliefs about it. So when I went public, I could go public in a way that could support and help other people that are going through cancer or affected by cancer because it's something like New Zealand's got the second highest rate of bowel cancer in the world Mm. like so a lot of people are going through it and I wanted to go public where it was like I could share my journey I could share some tips I could help people and also I wanted to be very mindful of the fact I have two children and a wonderful wife and This diagnosis affects them as much as it affects me. I get the physical issues with it, but my wife has a diagnosis for two when you're in a partnership. And so I was very aware I needed to get to a stage where I was comfortable sharing it, and I'd sort of set up boundaries of what I wanted to share and and so forth. So when I decided to go public, I knew that i wanted to do an interview with jackie brown who's a good friend of mine i knew she would um she knows me and and sort of so we so so i sort of wanted to do it with a plan rather than haphazardly mm-hmm. sort of throw it out there and then since then it's been it's been wonderful as i've been able to help people i've been able to team up with anz and the cancer foundation and to- society to um sort of do a campaign to try and raise some money for them around daffodil day um and help people because as anyone who's done stuff knows, when you help people, when you give, you actually get. Like So by helping people and giving, it makes me feel feel better. And I'm meeting amazing people at gigs around the country and, and so forth that um, have come up to me and said, mate, thanks. Thanks for... For sharing your story and um because sometimes just chatting with people about it who are going through the same thing it's that whole thing of you know once you start talking about a problem it can sort of make you feel a little bit better
0: totally look um just two th- three things there and then I've got, I've got some sweeping generalizations about new zealand the cosmos and something <laughs> i'd like to ask you about i mean um one thing i was struck by was w- w- watching you on your acc or alternative commentary collective work um which is great um you know, you were saying how that love of the warriors and so on. This is like a really strange It's a massive highlight in my life. You said. I mean, is it, maybe we've discussed that? Is that because it's it's a, um, a distraction from what you're going on, or is it just an integral? This is great. So the
1: warriors are uh, they're part of my cancer treatment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they are. This is the beauty about sport. You have so much passion for it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, like sure I feel a loss. I feel as when we I mean this year's going very well, but in previous years it's been a bit of a shambles. <laughs> I really feel those losses and I feel oh wait, we weren't in the finals that year. But then it's like, oh well <laughs> doesn't actually impact me yes. on my day to day. But I just I love Rugby league, and for me, for some people, it's Dungeons & Dragons. For some people, <laughs> it's Lord of the Rings. Yes. For me, it's rugby league. Yeah, And I've got so much out of rugby league since I was a kid, watching the Winfield Cup, it was, when you had cigarette yes. sponsors. I <laughs> <laughs> don't know we'll see that again. No, but. The, the Winfield Cup coming out of Australia, and then the Warriors went into the competition. I've worked for the club on and off since 2009, on game days and that, and just the whole vibe out there... I've always felt very connected to the club. They have so much kindness. My son loves it. Fantastic. It's, it, yeah, it is. It's a distraction, but in, in the best possible way. Plus, I'm a rugby league nerd. Love it. No, I I can tell that. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you say, we've all got
0: our own things. This yeah. time, but it's good. The other thing I was just interested in, me, it's sort of a theme in a way. We've talked, you know, your father, yeah. DSIR, and I believe I'm right to say, you are using medical marijuana to help you with the side yeah, of the awful absolutely. side effects. Give me a sense of that. And you know, the, 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 the benefits or.
1: So it's something, you know, throughout my life, I've recreationally been involved and then with a bit of marijuana here and there, then just sort of flagged it once I got married and had kids and it just wasn't part of my lifestyle at all. And, um, then when I got diagnosis, I suddenly, something in the back of my brain was, oh, there's all this stuff around medical marijuana. will see where, where it's at. And um, it has been huge for me because I don't tolerate opioids very well. Um, they they just block me up and make me nauseous. So I, I had to look at other options for recovering from surgery. So I was... Um, Using CBD and THC to, to help with nausea, pain, and then through chemotherapy, it is the main tool for me, just because it, it helps mm. with nausea, sleep, appetite. That um, also there's interesting studies now seeing around um, the actual connection between THC and chemotherapy, and it enhancing potentially. And um, I it's just become a, a tool in my toolbox, and it's um the stigma around it is is changing yeah and um is it what I tell you what freaks me out though is even in the business community because there's money to be made baby exactly <laughs> well now yeah they judging by how expensive it is, yeah. there is money to be made and um what freaked me out is travelling with it because I've got my license now so I can travel with it. And, um, I was going through airport security and for part of my comedy set, I use a, have a parsnip and the guy stopped me and he was, what's just, what's in your bag by the way? And I went, oh, there's a frozen parsnip and some marijuana. And that phrase short circuited his brain. He was, what? What's the parsnip got to do with the marijuana? I was oh the frozen parsnip so my and then he was it's all good, mate. <laughs> a better a better
0: interview would spend much more time on the parsnip. <laughs> I mean uh, the mind boggles Die Henwood and the parsnip. But hey, but like the warriors each to their own, Yeah, I, And the, the,
1: the stigma is going around it. I um I was a bit I think uh, I was a bit annoyed with the, the referendum that it got tied up with well, they, sh- they made a tactical
0: mistake. They should have gone decriminalisation.
1: Yeah, and also they, they, they should have just – things didn't separate recreational versus medicinal. Because yes. There's still some – it's all a bit too expensive because we've got a lot of regulations around it, and for a point a lot of the medicinal cannabis couldn't be grown in New Zealand, so it was coming in from Canada. So standard regulations and that. But, yeah, and then it got tied up with the end of life. Yes, Bill and stuff and um, yeah I I was a bit disappointed with that as I thought it was the government um, at the time had such a majority that I thought that decriminalisation was probably you could something actually probably just pull the trigger on and and move through.
0: Hey, I've got to end this podcast with the section I call general knowledge. Right. Um, you're gonna um you're gonna ace this. I just have a feeling about okay. it. Um if you could be somebody else for a day, who would it be?
1: Kelly Slater. <laughs> I love surfing and I'm shocking at it. I've got I have got a bit more hair. Parsley. Yeah, more hair than him. Um uh, there's something I just love about touring the world's most beautiful surf spots and being able to surf the waves. yeah, I love the idea of it, but I would get destroyed in Tahiti <laughs> or Hawaii or something. Yeah. So I'd love to be Kelly Slate. Getting paid to be on the most beautiful beaches with the most beautiful people would be amazing.
0: Yeah, you've sold that well. What's your most embarrassing moment? Anything come to mind? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, it's actually... Around meditation, when when I was in form two, which for the younger people out there is twelve years old, <laughs> yeah, um, our teacher tried to teach us meditation, and I was lying down. She was like, "Lie down, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out." I fell asleep, and I woke up to one of the girls in the class. Yelling and pointing at me, die has got a stiffy. <laughs> and I was a 12 year old boy. I fell asleep and th- things you happened. You were dreaming. To your body. And then I woke up. Everyone in the class was pointing and laughing at my track pants that should have just obvious, said, And it was very embarrassing. Should have just said it was a
0: parsnip and some ma- marijuana, <laughs> Your Honor. Um, if money were no object, what are the first three things you'd buy? A
1: sauna. <laughs> an ice bath, nice. And I would put it like one of those ice baths. That's I love hot and cold. Things. Yeah, it just makes me feel amazing. And um, I'd love to afford a pool, like a big backyard pool with a diving board. Yeah, I identify
0: that. I'd like an ice bath.
1: It just there's something it really yeah it
0: makes me feel so good. I think this, we've got to scratch this question because I think it's a hard one. But what's the strangest tradition in your family? We
1: have one tradition which is sort of strange, sort of not. On Christmas Eve, we all give each other a pair of pyjamas. And that's our pyjamas for the year. And we always, I always (laughs) end up with a very weird pair of pyjamas. And I love. I, I it's I love that tradition. Yeah. And it's, it's sort of it sets up Christmas. Everyone gets their Christmas pyjamas and it. oh, it's very nice. Something to unwrap and no, that's a that's a tradition that's a bit strange but also very No, happy. I like that. It's um
0: my wife and children love a pyjama. I'm not so big on them, but there you go. If you could choose to stop aging at any age, which would you choose? It'd be
1: now, actually. Mm. I feel now I've got to a point where I understand things. I feel very comfortable in my own skin. I feel I'm at that wonderful point where the more knowledge you have, the more you realize you know absolutely nothing. So (laughs) I've got to that point where I feel I know a lot of things, but I'm not an authority. So I'm quite comfortable to sit back and listen. And I'm also young enough that I enjoy physical exercise mm. and being out kicking a ball around with my son or my daughter. Um, so now I think, I think, you're in your prime. How old are you right now? I'm 45 right now. Oh, outstanding.
0: <laughs> prime of life. Yeah,
1: prime of life. Do you see
0: that thing though, 47 is supposed to be that. you see that piece? And was it one of the. Uh, let's hope it was stuff.co.nz. Yeah. Um, around uh, 47 is the age statistically when I think it was men are uh, most unhappy. Huh? I'd actually Because you sort to, of. I think yeah. it's probably like, well, I've got to 47. And f*** it, I didn't become Kelly Slater. Yeah. It was always on the cards, but I've still got half my life left.
1: Well, I'm feeling quite happy, and I can't afford a midlife crisis, so <laughs> gladly it's not up. It's not coming, hopefully. <laughs> hey, Doi Henwood,
0: thank you so much for oh, coming on the journey. I really so appreciate it. You've been listening to Generally Famous' Stuff podcast. There's a new episode every Wednesday. You can listen to them all at stuff.co.nz slash generallyfamous or wherever you get your podcasts. In fact, if you follow us on Apple or Spotify, any of the podcast apps, in fact, you'll get the latest episode automatically. Sounds good, right? Thanks to my producers, Chris Reed and Jen Black and audio editor, John Rapiha. I'm Simon Bridges. I really appreciate you listening. If you like this podcast, please support our work. Visit stuff.co.nz/support.
1: I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You
0: don't want to be held to account what, no, on what? rising child abuse no. numbers. You can manipulate crime
1: statistics. No, I promised I wouldn't have a tag to you about gotcha journalism. Hang into the national parties. No tagline there. I think it would be
0: a resignation offence.
1: If I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. On. That sits
0: with you perfectly fine. That's, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.